0: Hi, this is Jim Butcher. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Junk Podcast. Alright, welcome back to the Sci-Fi FX Podcast number 140 and Sci-Fi Junk Podcast 19. I have Troy with me again today, and we are going to be going back to the first season of Falling Sky with an ending currently. I know, I loved it. How would you feel about it, Troy? I
1: rate this as one of the best sci-fi shows ever filmed. I,
0: I... I am amazed, you know, this one was done, it was years ago when I heard about this, actually on our podcast page from Carl. Right. And he had said then, if you're not watching it, why? And I'm thinking, yeah, whatever, you know, it's just another one of these. And then I realized, okay, it's, it really truly is a sci-fi show. Because a lot of times they're really, you know, it's like under the bubble or something like that. And they're they're sci-fi technically because there's this visible magical bubble over them, but other than that, they're not really sci-fi. It's just some people running around under a bubble. But this one, man, now this one's aliens. This is freaking aliens invade the Earth, and all hell breaks loose, and we're fighting for our lives. And that's about where season one picks up. The invasion's taken place. They you see him blow up a city i mean that was i have to say that's one of the first notes i have on my thing is him hitting that city oh yeah and the you know from the way the bomb goes off and the color effects and the way the the shockwave hits him but it's not nuclear it's kind of colored and and i never quite figured out exactly what kind of weapons they were
1: i think it was an emp
0: Oh you know what And that makes sense Because in the intro He the, the kid The very very beginning At the very beginning Of the very show They showed him Drawing pictures And him explaining From that book That he, in, he ends up making Throughout the whole show But they actually Him said They They did something And caused all of our Electronics to shut down Nothing works anymore None of the satellites None of the TV None of this None of that You're right It's EMP
1: Basically it just takes out The first line of resistance we we don't oh. we don't have communications. We don't have our basic weapons. We're in chaos, yeah. and they just strike in
0: the interim. That that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, now I see the light. Okay, <laughs> but that was kind of that was that was and and amazingly, if you remember that very first episode, and we we talked about this before we started recording it about how minute how much star power, how they introduced the characters in this was just fantastic. But I actually had to stop and make a list on that first episode because usually when a show starts, there's one or two characters that are really good and they go on and then they kind of drop a few and they bring back, bring on another few and they drop a few and they bring on another few trying to find that right mix. You know? Right, right. In this one, we had Tom Mason, the father, Hal Mason, Ben Mason, Matt Mason, Lourdes, Doctor Glass, Weaver, the kid Jimmy. Um, I never could pick up on that that the the black guy, the one that was the fighter guy.
1: Yeah, I just dropped his name.
0: I cannot. I never could pick up on his name. But then there was, and we talked about Die, and how he was he was one of those that could have been dropped, but. He was in every single episode, and I honestly, I didn't even notice it until I've seen his name on a list of credits, and I'm like, what the heck?
1: And he's cool, too. Yeah. It's like, I, I was sitting there going back to season one trying to remember who he was, and then as soon as I saw him in action, it was like, oh, that guy.
0: Yeah. And not only that, but it was... It, and, and I think that might have been what made, you know, talking in, in just general terms before we dig into the first, real dig into this first episode, but I think that's what made... This show's so great; they understood that every character on the screen didn't have to be a Tom Mason. Exactly. Have, yeah.
1: It, it allowed Tom to actually rise through the ranks. You know, it's it's like everything had had a perfect piece in the cog. You know.
0: Now, um, I I I actually had. When the first episode aired, I had another character that caught me off guard, and I'm like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. I mean, you knew about her, but you didn't think about her in those terms. So I actually had to go back before we broadcast it today and watch the fir- and re watch, and I just had to re watch all the first five episodes to catch it. But, okay, I could have fast forwarded it through them, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I had to re watch it to find out when and how his girlfriend Karen.
1: Right, because See, sh- I'd, I'd completely forgotten about her. Me too. I was I was just so used to Maggie being there.
0: You're used to Maggie being well, and we won't even talk about Hal and his slew of girlfriends till oh, later. But
1: <laughs> he's this show's Captain Kirk,
0: <laughs> except he's the only one that that had so many girlfriends that never actually uh, uh, did anything except uh, wink at him. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sad, actually. Um, so his girlfriend, Karen, she shows up on the first one. She's fighting with him. Right. And I had to actually go back and rewatch to figure out when she became the voice. Because if you think about it, I didn't even put the two and two together. It always threw Hal and his father off that, that she was the voice for them. They took her to become... The yeah, representative. She, exactly. She was pretty much their mouthpiece. Yeah. But I had never even thought about when and how and where did that happen. And I guess that's what happens when you come into a series late and you have Power Watch the first two, three, four um, seasons. I mean, right. I think it was two for me.
1: See, it, it was like three and a half for me. I, I caught up right about the time season four was about the halfway point.
0: So then... Um, I, I there were some other characters that did fade away. So I guess we can't really say that they didn't they didn't have them because they had the General Porter, I guess he was a general. Yeah. I wrote down Anthony.
1: Questions. Anthony, that's the guy we're we're Anthony. Of.
0: That's his name. You're right. Former Boston cop. Yes. A little bit on the crazy side. A little bit. Um, but I and I you know I never I don't remember anywhere in here I him telling his story but I got the impression and he might have and maybe that's why I got the impression of it that he had lost a a family or something.
1: Yeah, I think they kind of hinted that that was pretty much the case for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, he was he was he was ready to fight and so was Jimmy for a while. Yeah. Everybody's ready to
1: fight until they actually see what they're up against.
0: Yeah. Now, in this one so it starts, and it's with Hal and and um, and Tom, attempting to retrieve some food. Everything's in disarray. Their their dudes are scattered up and down the street, which I'm not sure quite I understood what was going on there. But you know, and they had these cars set up in a down the street in this wibble wobble form. I find it hard to believe that the bad guys did that, and I guess the good guys did it humans did it in the in defense of the city originally, it was was my thought.
1: Yeah, it's like a perimeter.
0: Yeah. And so, the aliens are there with their, what are their big walkers called? Do you remember the name of them? I just thing? call them mechs. The mechs, yeah. So they're there with the mechs blasting everything, and the skinners or uh, cooties, whoever, whichever you prefer. Skinners. We'll save the cooties for episode two, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but They're blasting everything And they go running off with this food and they end up not getting anything Except one little can of food But um, I, I thought that was a really good introduction To how quickly We can go from Living this life of Quote unquote paradise To scrounging just for a meal They just
1: completely Upset the status quo Everybody gets desperate and you have to think that when the invasion happened the absolute worst instincts of humanity kicked in
0: first well and that's something as we go through this i'm going to point out that the that, that exact that is if if i have one problem with 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 falling skies they had a tendency to to pull out the worst of every single major mission that they took <laughs> But that's drama. Yes. No, it is. But how many times, and, and I'll say it I'll say it now, and then I'll, I'll point it out, ding, ding, and ring a bell every time it happens. How many times can Tom Mason form a group of people he trusts, go into fight, and have one of them, just one, lose their mind and screw everything up?
1: It only takes one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it happens every single time, with the exception of the first fight, which was... Uh, I don't even remember which episode. I'm sure we'll get to it, but that one wasn't wasn't a true accident. That was that was a truly an accident, not right. somebody just losing their head. But
1: so but see, my my counter argument to this would be because we see everything go wrong at every turn. When they actually get a victory, it makes you really proud of them. You, you just stand up and cheer. It, it's cathartic. Yeah, it's like oh my god, you won one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and there's several moments in there where you're like, oh, hell yeah, human ingenuity. Unfortunately, Pope is responsible for most of them, but right? nonetheless, it takes all kinds. Um, so, then, Tom returns, and I guess Porter shows up. Now, I don't know if Porter's real rank. I'm assuming he was a general.
1: He was a, a general or a colonel. I think he was a general.
0: I think he was a general, general, because I think that. Um, so I know he outranked Weaver, Weaver. was a captain, correct? Right. Okay. So and he I, had I think to... no. Porter Porter was a colonel
1: because uh, they they had another another guy later on as a general that Matt Matt Furrier played General Brustler.
0: Oh, okay. So he was a... Which would make sense. Uh, that would be... A, he's,
1: he's in, like, season two. Okay. So, so, yeah, I think I think Porter was a colonel.
0: Now, he's one of those characters that was here for, you know, three or four episodes and then gone. So it wasn't like everyone was gone. Or it was here. But there's a lot of strong casting in this first one. And amaz- what amazes me is it wasn't just a lot of of casting. It was a lot of really good casting.
1: It was just character. They they found people that instead of competing for the spotlight, they actually just worked together. They embodied who they were supposed to be.
0: Yeah. They instead of trying to create a 200% of the pie, they they created they got a group of people that created 100% of the pie and fit together perfectly so that there was no gaps. They really did. It was it was amazing. Um so as I recall in this first episode and and Porter shows up, basically says, hey look, there's lots of other groups out there, we're not alone, you're going this way, we're splitting up, they're beating us up, they're pounding us, we're going to group. going split into groups of 300. Um, although I did notice, going through this the second, third, fourth time on episode one, I hadn't noticed it before, but when they were coming back, someone asked Hal as he's coming up the stairs, um who did you lose out there? Oh, it was Jimmy. He says, who did you lose out there? And Hal said, blah, 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 blah," and Commander so-and-so, which was originally in command of the Second Mass. Right. And it didn't dawn on me that's who he was talking about. He goes, oh, he was supposed to take control of the Second Mass. Exactly. That, said, that's
1: why uh, That's why Weaver got, got the job.
0: Yep, and that's why Weaver got the job, and Mason was his backup because Weaver is a... Uh, about as or was about as anti civilian as you could get
1: right he saw it as an unnecessary complication yeah so they're all you know hey we we need our food we need our rest and he's like well my troops need this stuff first because they're the ones doing the fighting
0: yeah you're just a bunch of eaters as they were exactly So he split them off into, I think it was multiple masses, I and mean, I remember hearing the fifth mass and a couple of others, but the second mass, obviously, was Tom and and, and Weaver. Right. Um, and they basically told him to get out of the city and learn to survive, and, and, and Weaver was basically, let's just go fight and kill him and uh, the voice of reason being... Porter saying, hey, look, we, we can't kill him until we know how to kill him. You can't just go and kill him. You have to know how to kill him. Exactly.
1: Because at this point, all of their weapons were pretty much useless. And nobody had actually gone
0: hand-to-hand with with Skitter yet. Now, I got the impression the first real problem they had once they split off was Food. They show up at a food bank that was listed on the map and and Hal drives by on a motorcycle and says, Hey, look, all the food banks from here to blah, blah, blah are empty. They're picked clean.
1: Right. Because you figure as soon as the lights went out, the very first thing that happens in any given situation is rioting. Well, most people are going to go after the food, the weapons, and the medical supplies.
0: Right. Which was totally expectable, uh, expected. Um, I didn't have a problem with that. Um. Although, I did notice the very first conflict, and I got the really strong impression, it was never quite said, but I got the really strong impression that Weaver was trying to get Tom killed.
1: That he You was know, doing that's,
0: that's an interesting assessment. I didn't think about that. Because he basically said, look, we need food. I want to go back to town. And he goes, okay, well, you want to go back to town. Instead of taking half of the fighters and going back and getting the food, I'm going to give you one vehicle because that's all I'm willing to throw away and I'm going to give you four fighters and how you go and pick the four fighters that he picked was a little bit beyond me I'm not sure Jimmy would have been in that group but
1: so the, the, the way I had, I interpreted that was he was basically trying to tell Tom this is so stupid that I can't waste any resources but I didn't if, you, if you're hell bent on this I'm going to give you this and the idea would be that Tom would reassess that and go Okay, I can't make it work with that.
0: I'll follow your plan. But he didn't do that. Well, and you know what? I could have believed that argument, and I would have believed that assessment had it not continued to fall, the, the chips fall that way. I got more of the impression of he didn't want anyone there second-guessing him.
1: I'm sure that was a good part of
0: it. And he decided, that you know what? This is what you want to do. It's a suicide mission. You go right ahead. Go out. Get yourself killed.
1: Exactly. But we're going to leave the best fighters
0: here. Right. So he ended up taking his son Hal, Jimmy, Anthony, Die, and it was oh, and his and, and, and Karen. um Karen. And one truck, and no heavy weapons. He didn't even wasn't even supposed to have any plastic except Die brought one over. Yeah. But, you know, he kind of basically tied his hands behind his back and says, you bet, go back into the city, the most populated, craziest place in the world right now. Get the food, bring it back so we can all eat, and, um, oh, by the way, we're going to go ahead without you.
1: And that right there is the stuff that legends are based on. (laughs) If if you can get through that successfully, you just earned a loyalty factor like no other.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of crazy. But I got the impression from there... That Weaver was really wasn't outright out to kill him. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna be, turn around and shoot him in the back.
1: Right at that point, he wasn't the enemy. He was. He was just enemy. saying, "Okay, this is a bother. I got saddled with this guy. If he goes and make, makes himself road pizza, great."
0: Yeah, because as far as Weaver con- was concerned, he wasn't really truly a fighter. He made the joke of who's going to lead him. You, and he said, exactly. "Yeah." He's like, okay, well, if this stupid civilian teacher thinks he wants to go out and lead a group of fighters, let's just let him bring his son and his son's girlfriend and all die in the process.
1: Um, And that's really what Season 1 is about, is Tom getting Weaver's trust.
0: Yes. Well, I I think it was, as with most shows at this point, it was truly a character building. Because if you look at the number of characters that were introduced in this first episode, and the way the way they were supported because when they as it turns out and this way we can just finish talking about the whole episode as it turns out when they go to do to get the food Hal uh, Hal happens to scout Hal and, and Karen happen to scout out find Ben walking along with a harness which Ben was their middle son and he had been right. harnessed by the bad guys and was being turned into an alien and blah 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 um, so he goes back to get his dad to go rescue him and his dad says no we can't do it um, you know, right now we have to get food people have to eat so that being said at every point I think Weaver passed along something to, to give him a chance to kill himself see
1: I'm, I'm not completely convinced of that because later on when Weaver explained it he's like look one objective leads to the next you do this then you do this then you do this, and then we have X, Y, and Z available to do this.
0: Well, but, I think
1: early, but I think early on in that, it was a case of, I know you can't cut it, so we're just going to send you off and you can embarrass yourself.
0: I, I don't know, because I I, 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 I I see that a little bit, but I also see that he knew he was just crazy enough to achieve some things. And I don't think that, that level of respect started to build until after he came back from um
1: It was when he came in dragging the skitter
0: The skitter, yes
1: Yeah I mean, th- th- At that point, I mean that's you know, in any put up or shut up moment that's the put up It's like, okay, got my skitter Are we equals now?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, well here, you want one, here's one you want know, some, some 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 stuff here. It is, but there was a really good introduction of characters there, and, and the, the amazing part was, is it was so good because most of the characters were cast so well that they were all they all stayed.
1: Right, right. We had we had Doctor
0: Glass right at the beginning.
1: You had Anthony, who is a very recurring character through the whole mess.
0: Anthony and Dyer, both of those characters that are should have and could have and would have always been there, but wouldn't have been these superstars. And they were both there. Yeah. Jimmy was the young kid who who thinks he wants to be a fighter. Oh,
1: yeah. Jim, Jimmy and Matt, we both we saw both of them grow.
0: Yes. Which is just weird. I, think...
1: I, I went back to season one I was like, oh my God, look at Matt. He's like,
0: Dang. <laughs> yeah, he's like a little <laughs> kid. It's like watching... Uh... Uh, like watching the first... Uh, it's like watching the same... same thing happened was watching the first episode of The Walking Dead. It's like you see the, the little kid there, too. It's like, whoa. Grown up yeah. so much. Um, and the relationship between Tom and Dr. Glass. Um,
1: Which I gotta tell you, the way that unfolds, I love that none of it's forced.
0: It, it was so... natural and so... Slow and so appropriate that it was, it, 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 you didn't feel like it was. Oh, what a sleaze ball! His wife hasn't been dead a week, and here he is. Right. It's you just
1: know? one one of those situations where I mean, you you didn't call it out to the writers either because you know a lot of times they write these romances in just specifically to get the the audience that likes the romance. Yeah, and it didn't feel like that.
0: No, I think what they did is instead of trying to write a romance into the it's into a great sci-fi series, the natural romance that would have been there, they allowed it to develop naturally.
1: Yeah, it was it was just very beautiful storytelling. It worked yes. out perfectly, and in in a kind of way, I mean the 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 stuff between Maggie and Hal works pretty much the same way.
0: Yes, I mean, Hal is a little bit more of um, I don't want to call him a ladies' man because you know he never actually does anything with any of them, but at least he 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 goes through the women. Right. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Or they get died, or they get kidnapped, or whatever. They move along for one reason, and he's there to pick up another one. They get died. They get died. They get killed. They they, they get
1: covered in in red and blue. Yes.
0: Okay. (laughs) They join the Blue Man team. Um, They get killed. Whether they get killed or they they get died. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But that led us to Episode 2, which was basically a continuation of Episode 1. Right. Where the most interesting character I think of the entire show is probably introduced and also creates the most questions and and brings up when you watch a show like this it's always satisfying to see one of the characters bring up the obvious stupidity of some things instead of you just complaining about it and that was Pope.
1: And the reason it works so well is because Pope wasn't an idiot.
0: No, Pope was... Pope was, yeah, he, in addition to him being a, a, a good cook, he was a very a very bright individual.
1: Right. He, he had actual scientific know-how. He had practical knowledge. He was clearly a survivalist. And the way he described it, the, this entire invasion was the best thing that ever happened to him.
0: So, it starts off with, um, let's see, They they go into the this episode is basically about uh, Tom's team, again, going back to the munitions factory because they didn't get in the first time, technically. Right. they seen there was some mechs there. They threw a ball. And, of course, ding, 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 ding. Who screws up? Jimmy screws up and goes chasing down the dog. Mm-hmm. When there's a giant what, mech standing there.
1: Well, yeah, what, what kid doesn't care about
0: the dog? What kid doesn't care about the dog? But I just want to point out, ding, 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 ding. First big screw-up, Jimmy goes running out in front of everybody and and practically gets himself shot up. When the whole plan was to throw the ball and let the dog go up there and see if there was a mech up there.
1: Oh, you you get an emotional tie like a dog like that? Yeah. Logic's out the window.
0: I I get it. I mean, I can see that it would happen. I can see that it would happen. But it does bring you back to your original... Your original selection of your team from the get-go, why would Mason, the one who is there to protect the civilians, bring a 15-year-old boy with him?
1: Because he is a father who understands inherently that the boys want to do something. And he's going to teach them how to do it the proper way.
0: Yeah, He, he wants to maybe. get them
1: involved with without hopefully blowing their heads off. It's just, I, I think what it is, is he's more likely to do that with Jimmy or somebody else like that before he does that with his own kids first, because he's more protective of his own kids, obviously. Yeah. But he's a teacher first, so he's like, "Here's the way we have to experience this."
0: Well, either way, it happens. Jimmy's the one who who screws up the plan to get to to discover the mechs there, and they have to run off. So, of course here is Weaver's second chance to kill Tom so he says well <laughs> no you can't go back where they're guarding this place like all the other places in the past you have to go back and go in and make sure there are no weapons there which is, in my mind is another suicide run he sent him on another suicide run let's get rid of the team let's send him over there and make sure there are no weapons
1: See there again. I don't. I don't know that it's specifically a suicide run so much as it is just one of those get off my back, go away for a while, go embarrass yourself. You know, yeah. it's one of those cases where I think it, like if Tom had actually died, it wouldn't have hurt him that much. He'd have been like, okay. But I. I don't see it as a willful kind of thing. Yeah, you know, he he didn't actually intend Tom to die. It was just one of those if it happened, okay, if not that's fine
0: too. Well, I I could agree with the fact that maybe he wasn't maybe it wasn't that he was trying to get him killed. He just wasn't being entirely S- as cautious with his life as he would have been with anyone else's.
1: Right. He was basically you know, being getting, reckless. um yeah, he was basically pointing Tom in a direction saying, you know what? Go over here so that I can actually command without yeah. you on my back.
0: But there was several places there was several things, and this is the second one that I that I thought where I felt that Weaver had sent him on a mission and did something intentionally one of his decisions was an intentional reckless command. And in this case, I felt it was intentionally reckless that he wasn't going to go to those weapons. And then I also had a second question about that. So, Pope says, after he captures them, when they go back and they sneak into the building and Pope captures them and blah blah blah, Pope says to him, and here's my real question, I've been watching you for days, here's what you've got, blah, 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 blah. If he's been watching them for days and this is what he's got, how did he know he was going back to that place? He's he got an as- insider. He would have assumed that he had already been there and that he wouldn't go back.
1: Unless he's got an insider or some really good scouts.
0: So that kind of that kind of threw me off that we're, we're here, we're hunkered down inside this building, we're waiting for Tom and his boy to show up because the building that we saw them go to before and they attracted mechs and skitters and stuff, they're going to come back to.
1: Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, but it may be also that he's seen some other civilian groups make the same rookie mistakes.
0: That's true. That's true. Could be. But, this is where, really, Maggie comes into play, because Pope's group of team was Pope... His brother, um, which you know, Pope was considered the sane one of the two.
1: His brother was a piece of work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a couple other miscellaneous hoodlums.
1: Right. Yeah, Maggie was definitely the 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 stand up star in, in that group.
0: So apparently Pope's Pope's brother had assaulted. Maggie, months before when they captured her, right, and um, told him it was told her it was okay because he brought chocolate. I guess she didn't agree. Um. <laughs>
1: yeah, they they really tried to paint the uh, paint her as the victim that didn't quite do enough, and she's holding that resentment. But at the same time, the the way they did this, it's like most most people when they write this kind of character, it could go really really bad really fast. But they uh, with her they they used that as her inner strength that that got her going and she she was active in teaching other people how not to fall into that kind of trap. And in a way that brought her back out of her shell.
0: Well, and I guess that makes sense because you don't really know it until later when you find out that that Maggie is a, a cancer survivor. Right. And so, you know, she's a quote unquote survivor. She did yeah, what she it's... had to do to get through it. And then when she seen her opportunity, she pulled out a gun and shot them all. Exactly.
1: Which also says she's smart. She's she's waiting for that right moment. Right.
0: Well, as as Tom said to Hal multiple times, you know, the, the first rule of war is stay alive. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but, you know, the one thing that, that Pope says here, and, and you could tell from their... They did such a good job of setting Pope up here. I'm going to go back to that piece of it when they first introduced him and he got to sit and talk with Tom alone. Because that was probably in in hindsight that is probably one of the best character building conversations that I have ever seen in any show, movie, TV series ever before.
1: Yeah, they set him up as the perfect foil.
0: But it didn't it, it didn't seem forced. The no. conversation was just regular, good old-fashioned conversation. But there were so many nuggets in there to draw a conclusion of Pope being a Tom, uh, of Pope being a bright intellectual there with this professor of history.
1: Yeah, he's he's the anti-Tom, for all intents.
0: For yeah. But having that same level of knowledge of talking about the last book that any of the people around here read had a dog named Spot in it or whatever (laughs) his his comment was. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Um, But they drew him as a very intelligent um, mastermind almost. Almost a Lex Luthor type character. A little crazy, but very intelligent. But it was so masterful, I thought, in the way that they did it, because when I got done with that, I actually had to rewind and watch the whole part of it again, where they didn't let Tom go and grab the gun and do something stupid. He's just like, okay, so when are you going to make your move? When are you going to grab the gun? You've been eyeing it since we started talking, and here I thought we were just having this good conversation.
1: Yeah, it's like the whole time, it's like, the way Pope sees things, he, he uses his knowledge to actually get ahead. And he expects that of everybody else. So it's like when Tom hesitates because he's more of a scholar type. You know, he's Tom's only just now having to learn applied knowledge and practical knowledge versus all of his book learning. You know, he's he's finding a use for it, but he really didn't have to do that before because academia is kind of this bubble. Yeah. So so Pope's like, what's taking you so long? Why aren't you connecting the dots? You're not you're not following the
0: breadcrumbs here. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very masterful all the way it around and and, and and at the same time it was very masterful of of the writers up to this point what they had done with Tom to show his determination his level of intelligence his um, his, like ab- his ability to to hold on to the past and use it for everything that it's got you know? Right,
1: it's almost like when he met Pope, and Pope just outlined it for him. It was almost like he's he's saying, "You know what? I actually can use what I know." Yeah, I, I can. I can have a direct application for this and make things better. Yeah, and a part of me likes likes to think that maybe he was doing it in spite of Pope. Yeah, you know, just one of those. Okay, I'm going to show you. Yeah
0: <laughs> Partially, but I think that you know Tom. Uh, Tom was smart enough when he started talking to Pope. He knew first of all he knew he wasn't an idiot, right? But then he started talking about well, you see this Skinner over my head here. Uh, you know, I, I killed him myself, and the trick is you just got to get close enough. And he uses that for for the rest of the ep- you know for the rest of the twenty thousand episodes of this show. He talks about that. Yeah. Um, he also, you know, contributes to... He takes the knowledge that he learned from books and he applies it the same way that he applies first-hand knowledge of Pope telling him, look, you have to shoot off a limb or two first. It slows him down. Exactly. It, it was amazing how his applied... His, his professorship or his study of history was... In a lot of cases, for normal people, it's difficult to apply that kind of a knowledge to the to a particular scenario. And well, see, Pope actually pointed that out to him at one point.
1: Well, the way I, I I think about this, like, see, Tom is a history professor. Most people, when they teach history, you learn names and dates. Tom strikes me as the that rare kind of history professor that that looks at it in terms of cause and effect.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right because he was always doing that. And that was actually one of the arguments that Pope had with him. Do you think that's the best case, you think that was the best um, analogy? The, when Tom said, well, it's kind of like, um, what was the analogy that he used? One of the wars that took place.
1: Yeah, it was... Um,
0: where they well, fought was, from he, behind and came back and won, and he was like, you know, it's more like they're... Uh,
1: yeah, he was talking the American Revolution and... and uh, Hope used used a much more modern for modern example.
0: Yeah, but it was a modern example of extinction as opposed to a right. modern example of, of perseverance. Right, and, <laughs> and I'm,
1: I'm drawing a blank now because I I can Oh, I wish I remember what it was. Was it Korean? Uh,
0: I don't remember. I, I I I remember it being pointed out and everything and thinking, you know, this is this is and and the funny part is is this is one of those one of those points of this writing and this is something about the writers that these guys know if you knew what they were talking about it meant that much more to you if oh, you yeah. didn't know it had a level of mystique a, a majestic level that made it mean that much more to you it, it's amazing it, no matter yeah. how you no matter how you felt intellectually listening to that that squabble back and forth it meant more because of your level of in, of, of of intelligence compared exactly. to the theirs. So the,
1: so what we have is the writers not only know this subject backward and forward and they can talk through multiple viewpoints, but they also assume that the audience either knows or is willing to learn. They're not talking down to us.
0: Or and if they didn't know, then it didn't make any difference because it was it was open ended enough to where the not knowing meant it was. These are some smart guys talking about some stuff I don't even know.
1: Right. They gave you enough that you could get the the, the grasp of the situation. Right. But you could go off and look, look it up yourself if you wanted to later.
0: Yeah. And it's very hard it's very hard to write it both ways like that where you get you know, the you, you drag in the intellectuals because of what they said was was two analogies that you you understood where they were coming from, but at the same time that if you didn't know those stories it still meant the same thing to you because of their perceived intellectual level as opposed right. to their actual intellectual level.
1: Right. No dumbing it down.
0: I, no I dumbing it that. down. Yeah. It was brilliant. It really was. And then the, the last thing that I had to say about Pope, which I'm sure won't be the last thing because he's my favorite <laughs> and my un, my least favorite character all in the rap of oh, he, One.
1: He's that guy you love to hate.
0: Yeah. I like his I like his name for for the Skinners. I like the cooties. I, yeah. I just like the fact that he has a name for them before these guys get here, and that that's you know, it, it's a name that's got that familiarity fam, familiarity to me from you know being a kid where oh you got cooties Ooh, yuck kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah, and the, the way he described it too, it didn't sound like it was misappropriate. You know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it sounded I mean the way he pointed it out it was like yeah that makes sense
0: yeah and then he had some then he had some real in, in, intelligence on how to kill the Skinners and I think that's what got Tom out of let's escape from here and into let's convert Pope to fight with us sure why um, wouldn't you because he you know, just, he, he, he,
1: you've got a large body of, of people being protected by a military that has yet to be effective. This guy knows what he's doing. He's proven it. Why yeah. wouldn't he use that? It was
0: it was it was a brilliant that those two episodes were a brilliant piece of character development that had more than two episodes of story included in them. It just it amazes me how well those two were written and it makes you wonder was it just a a natural that was at the pin or was there some real rewrites and thought that went into this of no we got to make sure we have the right characters here, we got to make sure we have the right this, the right that, the right amount of of intelligence and not intelligence. I mean, how much thought really went into that?
1: Well, part of it is that a lot of TV shows go twenty to twenty-two episodes, and when you condense it down to ten, you have to get your your storytelling as efficient as possible,
0: which makes for some great TV. Exactly. Now it, it makes it, the wait
1: between seasons harder, but it's so worth it.
0: Well, and and then and then it lies the question there, which has always been a question for me, and this is kind of off subject, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Because it's our podcast, we can do any damn thing we want. Um, but then the question becomes is okay, well, if you're writing 10 episodes a year and they're so great, why don't you just take five years to write 50 episodes and just put one out a week for a year? Hmm. hmm. Interesting thought. Well, I, I always wondered why they have to be seasonalized I, I and only shown at different times of the year and blah, blah, blah.
1: Part of it is because the marketing people have. Peak television times, like it goes from the old model where you had new episodes in the fall and spring, and then you'd rerun in the in the winter and summer. Yeah. But now they have off seasons. They have off season shows between those, so it's just the the idea now. Nobody watches reruns. The, the model's right. so now it's a case of getting the new content and figuring out which content works best for which seasons to attract your proper audience. Which... Now, what the model you're talking about is how Spanish soap operas do it.
0: Okay, yeah, I've heard they, that they, before. Where they
1: they, they, they they will they will take a, a series that you know, last forty episodes, fifty episodes, whatever, and just knock it
0: out. And it's got a beginning, it's got an end. They know they're telling the whole story from from the get go, and voila. Right. I think that might be where the problem really is. Here is that because the way that the TV is is funded. You end up with this, we don't want to fund 50 episodes right off the bat. We want to fund a season of 10 and see if it works out. And if it does, we'll do 12 or 13 next year.
1: Well, see, and also part of it is you've got to figure what the post-production takes it into account. You know, you've got all the special effects. Most Spanish soap operas aren't going to have that. Okay, so going with the example of, say, Doctor Who, because Carl's not here, so somebody has to bring it up. (laughs) The, the original Doctor Who ran 52 episodes a year, year-round. And they did that for the first few seasons, or first few years. And basically what they would do is, you know, you had the, the, the basic TARDIS set that they could use all the time, and all they would have to do is come up with the different sets and costumes for the stuff that happened outside, and they'd have different teams doing whatever. But whenever they need... Say an actor needed some time off, they'd just focus on other actors for one episode, and just pick them up right where they left off in the next episode. And you could do that because there wasn't a whole lot of special effects going into it. You didn't have, well, they they weren't doing full story arcs like what we're doing on Falling Skies, where you know they're planning five seasons at a time. They they only had to focus on you know four six episodes.
0: That yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it's and it well, and it was very episodic and it was very uh, if, if I remember correctly, there was there was multiple writers too. That was um right. like, a they, community